Okay, here we go. It's great to have you here. Mike Widow here with you on All Even Live. And I, I'm sure that you're wondering, where's Barry Grant Jr.? Where is the All Even Man himself? Well, um, turns out he's a little bit under the weather. Uh, this is something that him and I have been talking about for a while. Uh, something that we may start doing every Monday night at about 9 o'clock. Rich is, wouldn't you know it, right about now. And um, something that we might do together. Uh uh, a show that we're going to co-host together, but without him, it is just me. So listen, this is something that is not all too foreign for me because truth be told, um, I've done this for a long time and I haven't hosted a show by myself in years so guess what? We're going to shake off the rust together. But it is great to have you here. We had quite the championship weekend that we're going to discuss today. Uh, in about 10 or so minutes, I'm going to tell you why Patrick Mahomes reminds me of a couple of people and maybe even one all-time great. That's coming up in about 10 minutes. We'll discuss Dan Campbell. That's going to come up a little bit later in the show today. Dan Campbell and the identity of the Detroit Lions, why I think it is here to stay. I think that's going to be a fun topic to jump into. Um, we'll also touch a little bit on baseball. Listen, I I understand that the free agent market is something that is completely dead to this point. And if you ask me, I'm probably as, as frustrated as anybody when it comes to uh, MLB free agency, but We'll see. I have a theory on the market of Blake Snell, and especially if you're a Yankee fan, you're going to want to hear about that. So let's um, let's start off today with this. OK, so I want you to kind of picture this, and I think that this is this is kind of this will make you feel good if you're a follower of the grid. One of the things that I think you'll be pleased to hear is that we're all friends. We're all family at the grid. We all poke jabs at each other. We all talk shit. We all do all of that stuff. It is, it's fun. We have a group chat. It, we, we all enjoy each other's banter, each other's company. It's a really great um, family that we have at the grid. So following the games yesterday, um, I, I would say that I am fairly active in that group chat. And one of the guys that I respect most in this business, this young kid who is as hungry as young broadcasters become. And again, if you're a follower of the grid, you definitely know who it is. It's Bryson Carver, my good friend. Okay. Now, like I said, I have immense respect for Bryson. I really do. I have immense respect for Bryson. I have immense respect for everybody that works at my network, but we also don't have to agree on everything. And this is a big disagreement and I'm going to air it out. Okay. So Kansas City, after they beat Baltimore last night, um, this was a and, – and I want people to kind of take this at surface level because Kansas City, we can all agree that they're not as good as they were last year. We can all agree that this is not the same Kansas City team that we've seen in years past. This is a defense-first football team. They're extremely well-coached. Patrick Mahomes is amazing. Even in his games where he doesn't look amazing, he still is amazing. So he talks to the sideline reporter at the end of the game. 
And he says a bunch of the basic one-liner stuff, right? He says a bunch of the same stuff where he's talking about, you know, hey, we got a lot of dogs out here. You know, we're fighting hard. We face some adversity this year. It's good to overcome it. And as he's talking about that, what do I say? Adversity? What adversity are you talking about? Think about this for a minute. The Kansas City Chiefs have been to four of the last five Super Bowls. They've been to six straight AFC Championship games. What what adversity are you going through? To me, the adversity that gets brought up by guys like Bryson Carver in my group chat, and like I said, I love him. I'm not just doing this to call him out, okay? Well, their receiving core is not very good. Guido, they're, they're, hey, listen, they lost an offensive coordinator. They, they led the league in drops. How is that not adversity? That, to me, doesn't count as adversity. It doesn't count. Okay? Just because you have to try for something doesn't make it an obstacle. You can invent adversity. It doesn't make it real. And now that should be praised to a to a large degree. That should be praised. If you can invent adversity in your head, listen, Michael Jordan did the same thing. Michael Jordan, if somebody looked at him the wrong way with no intention behind it whatsoever, he created adversity in his head. And it catapulted him forward. Listen, it should be applauded. But at the same time, you have to think about it like this. I don't have to buy into it. I don't have to buy. Listen, if you are as successful as Kansas City is, if you're as successful as Patrick Mahomes has been in this league, I don't want to hear about the adversity that you had to face. I don't want to hear it. What adversity could that be? You know, here's what I count as adversity. You know, let's just say, for example, the Chiefs had a teammate where midseason he got arrested. That's adversity. Okay? If one of the Chiefs players, impact players, had lost a loved one, either before the season, during the season, before a game, whatever. That counts as adversity. I think we're getting used to the fact that this is a loose term that shouldn't be used loosely. Okay? I didn't suffer adversity when I stubbed my toe on the way to the kitchen this morning to make myself breakfast. It's That's not adversity. It's just something that happens. Okay? If you have to try to do something difficult then guess what? It doesn't make it adversity. It makes it necessary to get what you want. That's how I feel about the Chiefs. The Chiefs should be applauded for how great they are. And listen, I have absolutely nothing against them. I love Andy Reid. I like Patrick Mahomes. I like Travis Kelsey. I like those guys. They're all likable. Listen, the the State Farm Mahomes Auto commercial is maybe the funniest commercial that I've seen in a long time. It's funny. It's good. Okay? I really like those guys. You know, they, they're they not 
Listen, I had a strong disdain from a football perspective for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. But we also have to admit who the Chiefs are now. You're not paying attention if you don't think that this is the reincarnation of that dynasty. It is. Listen, I Colin Cowherd said something last week that I that really resonated with me because it is a thousand percent true. Going into this weekend, Baltimore was the number one rush team in the league. They had a stout defense, great defensive line with tons of depth, secondary, two phenomenal linebackers, MVP Lamar Jackson at quarterback, improved weapons, offensive. There was everything, everything was going right for Baltimore. Baltimore had the edge in virtually every category. But yet you still thought that Kansas City could win. Couldn't agree more. And that kind of leads me into what we're talking about here. Here's the reality of the situation for Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes doesn't know how to lose. And there's just something about him that makes it, I mean, you just, he doesn't know how. He doesn't know how. Okay, like I said before, this is kind of the deferring factor, the differ- the differentiating factor in a lot of NBA conversations when it comes to the LeBron James to Michael Jordan comparison. Is that Michael Jordan kind of believed that there was no way he could lose. LeBron doesn't seem to have that same fire. Now, as much as I disagree with that, it seems to be the truth for Patrick Mahomes. This roster is the worst Kansas City roster that they've had in a long time. It's the worst Kansas City roster that they've had quite possibly in Mahomes' era. This is a defense-first team. They have receivers that can't separate. They lead the league in drops. Their offensive line is fairly unstable. It's not consistent. As much as everybody loves Isaiah Pacheco, they're whatever, 21st in the NFL in rushing. Like This is not the juggernaut that we thought Kansas City would be every year. It's it's just not. It's a different-looking Kansas City. Now, counter-argument, right? This could be the best defense that Kansas City has ever had. But, again, it's a different look for Kansas City. It's not the same Kansas City team that we're used to where they could drop 35 points and a half. They're just not doing that anymore. But it doesn't really seem to matter. Okay, I don't know if anybody watches the show Suits because, and listen, I love that show. Harvey Specter, the whole deal. It's an old, It's I, I wouldn't say it's an older show, but it's a show that came out years ago, but it's getting popular now because it was on Netflix and whatever. I, it's a great show. If you're into courtroom dramas, Suits is the show for you. It's fantastic. Um. Listen, the main guy, Harvey Specter, says something very true. And he says, listen, I get lucky, but I create my own luck. 
and that's true. Listen, this weekend, Kansas City got lucky. I know it's crazy to hear that, but Kansas City got lucky. They really did. The one game where Baltimore really, really shits the bed is against Kansas City. Is that crazy or what? They completely altered their game plan. Baltimore was the number one rushing football team in the league. And they ran the ball eight times. Eight times. Six came from running backs. Justice Hill had three carries. Gus Edwards had three carries. What are you doing? They got lucky. Now, again, you can say whatever you want. Kansas City got lucky. Baltimore beat themselves. You'd say the same thing about San Francisco, right? San Francisco got lucky. Detroit made maybe a couple of costly decisions. They beat themselves. They fell apart in the second half. Now, they deserve credit for that, too, but they got lucky. The reason why everybody wanted a Ravens Lions Super Bowl. Okay. And say whatever you want. Like I said, I know plenty of people that are saying, I'm not interested in the Super Bowl this year, including myself. Okay. I, listen, I'm on the same boat. I really am. The reason they're saying that is simply because it's the rich getting richer. It's David versus Goli- it's it's Goliath versus Goliath. There is no David. Okay. I like David's storylines. I like the little guy triumph uh being triumphant in the end sometimes. I do. This is not one of those times. No matter how you try to convince me, convince me, right? It's Goliath versus Goliath. I'm not really all that interested. So, but here's the thing. Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City create their own luck. <laughs> Carving it up podcast. Bryson Carver, I appreciate this. I'm out here catching strays from Briga, from Guido before I go to bed. He's going to bed too early. But uh, <laughs> listen, it's just. They create their own luck. They do. As much as you'd like to believe it, like I said, it just kind of seems, right, that things just seem to go their way. It's because they do. And it's because they make it that way. The reason things go their way is because they've had so much success prolonged over so many years over so many years that it forces teams to panic when they play them. Say what you want, man. But Kansas City creates their own luck, and it just seems to me like whatever Patrick Mahomes is doing, again, he just he elevates himself and listen, he's not throwing for 500 yards every game. That's something you got to understand. Patrick Mahomes is not killing it in the playoffs. 
His numbers are not outrageous. But he doesn't make mistakes. <clears throat> Excuse me. But he doesn't make mistakes. And that's something to be said for. So, look. This is a, you know, my dad was telling me a story before I hopped on the air. And I think it applies. Because, and this applies to the Lions too, and we'll kind of transition this way. But uh, there was a book written by uh, somebody named Napoleon Hill. Um, and the book that he wrote is called Think and Grow Rich, 1937. So it's it's not a new thing, but the philosophy kind of remains the same. Um, there just seems to be something about mindset that changes people. It just does, right? If you believe that you can do, I know, I know it's cliche. If you believe that you can do something, you believe in it 100%, in your heart, you believe it, then you can do it. Obviously, right? I mean, it, you know, under special circumstances, you can't fly, right? But if you believe that you can get an A on a test, you can get an A, you can get an a on a test, right? Like, <laughs> you believe it. But any little bit of doubt can plague you forever at any point, right? So Napoleon Hill wrote a book called Think and Grow Rich, and he talks about a kid born with no ears. And when they when the kid was born, I mean, I, it look, he looks the way that I look now, right? Just no, there's no ears. He didn't have holes where his ears should be. He just, it was just, like his cheeks extended, like it was, he had no ears, period. He just didn't have ears. So the doctors told him that he'd be deaf and a mute his entire life. And his father said, no, he won't. No, he won't. Not my kid. My kid is not going to be deaf and a mute his entire life. I'm never going to let this kid believe something that I'm not even never going to let this kid believe that he can't do something because of this. I'm going to teach him instead that you've been given a special gift and it's going to make you better than everybody else. Now, what ended up happening is I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little bit more about that. This kid ended up, I don't know, at eight years old or nine years old or something like that, got a paper route, right? Riding his bicycle and delivering papers and whatever. And he bought eight cents worth of newspapers or whatever it was, and he sold them. And his mother desperately didn't want him to go. Desperately didn't want him to go. But his father, to his mother's chagrin, said, "Listen, there's <laughs> you're not you're you're not stopping this kid. But he's gonna get run over by a car. He can't hear the car. You, you, no, let him do it. He can do it. 
He came home with 24 cents that day. He tripled his money. And his dad cried. See, that's the kind of thing that I think we need to really see is important in sports is that what you're seeing now, and again, that kid ended up being, you know, having a, a massive success, um, you know, this massive success in his career. It ended up being Napoleon Hill's kid, um, but he ended up becoming a, a massive spokesperson for a hearing aid company. Like he's, he's like massively successful he, or he became massively successful after that. But that's something that I think we really need to instill in sports today is just, listen, if you believe that you can lose, you will, you will. And the chiefs never seem to believe that they can lose. And as much as you'd like to hear it in the media, right? Where it's the Ravens or Detroit or any of the, like whoever, right? And maybe it wasn't Detroit in this, this instance, but, in a lot of these scenarios where you just see we're overmatched you get you get down to an to a to an early deficit and you just tank the body language changes right that's why do you think that so many players struggle playing from behind it's because it's up here it's all up here so Say what you want about this. Barry Grant Jr. chiming into the show, even though he's not here with me. Not excited about this game, buddy. I know it. Uh, Bryson Carver, let's see what he has to say about this. Mahomes and the Chiefs did what those Patriots teams did for years. Hit them with the first punch. Then they picked their spots and pounce when the opposition screws up. That's 100% right. They capitalize on mistakes. There's no doubt about that. Okay. <clears throat> so, by the way, I'm going to take a break for a second. Uh, and I'm going to tell you again, if you haven't chimed in to any of Grid Network's content, you absolutely should. We have an unbelievable amount of talented guys that are working their rear ends off, creating good content in the sports world. Okay. Even it's just from my co-founder, Barry Grant Jr., Bryson Carver with the Carving It Up podcast, guys like Devin Nettles, who, I mean, <laughs> if if you're going to feel bad for anybody today, feel bad for Devin Nettles, okay? At the Bank Podcast, diehard Ravens guy. Uh, my thoughts, my opinion as well on this network. Uh, make sure you tune into that. Ryan Flowers uh, with Sunday NFL Wake Up. Again, just a ton of talented guys on this network. Guys like EJ Savage with the Boys in the Zone podcast. I mean, listen, it, there's too many guys. Tim Barnard, my guy, Boston Sports Summit brand new podcast just launched a second episode this week uh this past week i mean if you're not chiming in i mean you're already a little late but you should do it anyway um so find us on all the platforms twitter youtube instagram the whole bit wherever you get podcasts we are there okay so let's talk about dan campbell because um i am really stunned or I, I, I shouldn't say that I'm stunned. I'm not stunned. <laughs> In fact, I'm not stunned at all. I'm completely, I, 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 this is something that could completely have been expected, period. Because Dan Campbell 
went for it on fourth down a couple of times, and it didn't work. And now everybody's shredding him for it. <laughs> I just, I don't get it, guys. I don't. Okay? Here's the reality of the situation. I'll go back to what I was saying before. If you believe that you can't do it, then guess what? You won't. That's a big part of this. Let me ask you an honest question about Dan Campbell. Would you rather have a coach with balls or would you rather have a coach with no guts? That's what I want to know. Because listen, here's the reality. The Detroit Lions have established a culture and it took three years. They've established a culture of aggressiveness. We are going to punch you in the throat football. And it works. It just works. And if you don't believe me, look at the ascension, the absolute ascension from where they were. They were the bottom feeders joke of the league. And now they were 30 minutes away from making it to their first Super Bowl in franchise history yesterday. Dan Campbell is a culture changer. He is a guy that knows how to motivate men. And listen, we can all say, hey, he's not the dynamic offensive coach that Ja'Kyle Shanahan is. He's not this crazy guru. Sometimes the guru isn't what you need. And listen, I'm all for the new trend, by the way, of offensive coaches with innovative play calls. And like I'm, I'm all for it. That's the thing that I think wins in this league now. If you have a winning culture already, that's the thing that wins. That's the thing that wins. Innovative offensive play. That's what wins in this league now. But I'm telling you right now, let's just say, for example, let's pretend for a minute. If Ben Johnson the superstar offensive coordinator in Detroit that everybody wants to be their head coach, right? People are saying he's a sure thing to be Washington's new head coach. If Ben Johnson were to be the Detroit Lions head coach, would they be this good? Would their culture have shifted this much? I don't think so. At least in my mind, I don't think so. Dan Campbell is somebody who is larger than life. He said, screw this losing shit. The first day he walked into Detroit, there is absolutely nothing that he cares about more than winning. And nobody could tell you otherwise. The proof is in the pudding. You see it. You watch him with your own eyeballs. You can see just how much Dan Campbell wants to win. So much so that he wants to win, that he will go for it on fourth down more than any team in NFL history. That's what they did. 
this entire season was defined by aggressiveness. This entire season, this entire identity that Detroit has established, it is all 100% going forward on fourth down when it is smart to do so. And that's going to be the hiccup right there. Everybody's going to tell me, well, Guido, hey, it's the playoffs. Sometimes you got to kick the field goal. Sure, that's 100% true. Now, if I were coaching in yesterday's game, would I have kicked the field goal? Yeah, probably. I probably would have. But that probably is because that I don't have the balls, like I said, to have gone for it. That's just the way that I am. That's the reality of me. So, say what you want about Dan Campbell. Are you really going to fault him for being aggressive? See, to me, with me, this is the absolute definition, by the way, of coaches, coach, and players play. Because here's the reality. If Josh Reynolds doesn't drop that football in fourth and two, Are we even having this discussion? Are we even talking about San Francisco in the Super Bowl? If there's one play that could have defined yesterday's game, it was that one. The ball landed right in his lap on a perfectly executed play. And he dropped it. Now, drops happen in the NFL. Nobody's perfect, right? I understand all that. But that's where you draw the line between what do you blame the coach for and what do you blame players for? Because let's be real. If Josh Reynolds catches that football, Detroit probably finds themselves in the Super Bowl today. That would be my guess. I mean, <laughs> listen, that's that's just me. That's just me. But let's dive a little bit deeper. And again, people are saying, hey, listen, I don't mind if you go for it once, but hey, going for it twice is crazy. Again, totally fine. I'm not going to sit here and tell them that they made the 100% right decision. I think it's a very gray area. I really do. But listen, here's the thing. If you want to say, well, it just didn't make sense. Well, no, it did. Okay, so... Detroit was converting on what? 85% of their fourth down tries this year? Like, unheard of numbers. Like, they are blowing the doors off of every team that is going forward on fourth down. They are so aggressive and so good at this that they, it works. Like, it is freaky how it works. Michael Badgley, he's not Brandon Aubrey, (laughs) right? He's not Justin Tucker. He's not Adam Vinatieri. He's a below average, maybe league average kicker, maybe. And his make rate from beyond 40 or 45 yards was what? 70%. So if you really look at it from surface value, don't you have a better chance of going for it on fourth down and making it than making a field goal from that range? Now, again, 
Am I going for it in that in that scenario? Probably not. I'm probably taking the points because truth be told, I do care about what people say sometimes. I do. It's easier to explain a missed field goal in a post-game press conference than it is going for it on fourth down and not getting it. But clearly Dan Campbell doesn't give a crap what you think. And he shouldn't. And that's why this whole Lions culture that we're seeing now is going to stick around for a while. Because Dan Campbell, regardless of what you think about his decision-making, regardless of what you think about what kind of a coach he is, it's kind of irrelevant if you think about it. Because the thing that actually really matters is that his players would die for him. His players are 100% in on Dan Campbell. They love him. They would die for that guy. So, say what you want about Dan Campbell. They are aggressive, and why in the world would you change your identity I mean, that's what we criticize Baltimore for, right? Number one rush team in the league. They barely ran the football against Kansas City. And guess what? It costed them. Do you really think that it's right for you to have a problem with how Detroit played yesterday's game? If they bailed on their aggressiveness and they still lost, I guarantee you that that is the conversation that we're having yesterday. So there we go. Um, So let's move on to this because, and you know what, before we do that, let's take a look at some comments here. I like to get my listeners involved. Uh, So with you on Campbell, one minute, he's a gutsy culture builder. The next, he's a reckless meathead. They do not sniff the NFC title game. If he's not as aggressive as he is, Detroit is here to stay hundred percent with Bryson on this one. I know I gave him some, listen, Bryson and I are, we're, we're, we're good buddies. I <laughs> listen. I don't have any beef with him whatsoever. I think it's kind of funny the uh, the uh, argument that we had yesterday. We ripped Brandon Staley to shreds because he was an aggressive coach who got bullied into conservative play calling. Unlike John Harbaugh yesterday, Campbell stuck to what got him there. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And I will say it again: if you haven't checked out Bryson's show, make sure you check that out. Go to the Carving It Up YouTube channel. Go to follow him on Twitter. Um, absolutely one of the fantastic young content creators in the sports space uh, that we have in our business. So make sure you go check him out. All right. So let's uh, let's dive into this. San Francisco is going to another Super Bowl. And here's the thing. The main question that I'm seeing today is, do you think that this shuts up all of the Brock Purdy doubters? Oh, give me a break. Who's doubting Brock Purdy? I don't see anybody doubting Brock Purdy. I see everybody being realistic about Brock Purdy. Here's the reality. Here's here's the reality about what Brock Purdy is. Okay. He's not overly mobile. He's, you know, he's athletic. He can move, but he's not a superstar mobile quarterback right? 
He doesn't have a super strong arm. He's doesn't. He's not the most accurate thrower. Okay. Sometimes his decision making isn't great. The guy was a seventh round pick for a reason. He didn't all of a sudden just become a superstar. Now he's good, but that's what he is. He's good. He's not great. That's not doubt. That's just true. Look, everybody wants to live by the same philosophy in the NFL, where if you surround your quarterback, and this is the whether people like to admit it or not, this is the philosophy that everybody lives by in the NFL. If you surround your quarterback with weapons, a running game, a protect, uh, some protection, and some decent offensive play calling. You will win games. If you can play as mistake-free football as you can, and you have playmakers so that your quarterback doesn't have to carry the team on his back, then you will definitely win games. Period. You will win games. Can anybody tell me, honestly, if Brock Purdy doesn't have the best weapons in the league? Because he does. Christian McCaffrey is a legitimate argument for MVP as a running back. He has a legit argument. That's how good he is. He's phenomenal. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, both, to me, considered potential number one receivers. One of the best two or three tight ends in the league in George Kittle. The best left tackle maybe in NFL history in Trent Williams. And that defense is unbelievable. And by the way, their coach, Kyle Shanahan, is maybe the most brilliant offensive mind that we've seen in years. But yet Brock Purdy is the reason they win? I think he's one of the reasons why they don't lose, but not one of the reasons why they win. He doesn't screw it up. He's the definition of a game manager. And that's not a rip. That's not an insult. That's just what he is. He's just good. He's an average quarterback in the league. He's not somebody like Joe Burrow. He's not Mahomes. He's not Josh Allen. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not one of those guys. But I'll tell you what he does have. And again, this is really important. Brock Purdy just doesn't care. He doesn't care. And what I mean by that is, if he goes down by three scores, he's cool. All right, guys, let's go. Isn't that what you want? He's good. I don't know that there's anybody out there saying that Brock Purdy sucks. Like, that's the part of this whole thing that I don't really get. Is that, is there really somebody out there that's saying, well, hey, Brock Purdy, he stinks. I don't see those people. (laughs) If he is, send him to me. But I don't see him. 
I just see people that are trying to say, hey, listen, there is a possibility that he's the reason they lose, but it's also it's not very likely that likely that he's the reason they win. Now, sometimes he can be. But what do you think is more likely? You think it'll be Nick Bosa or Fred Warner or Christian McCaffrey or one of those guys? Or do you think it'll be, you know, Brock Purdy? That's that if if listen, if that's criticism, if that's you know, doubters, if that's doubt, then yeah, they're doubting him. I call it just being realistic. That's me. But uh listen, I <laughs> I'll be honest. Out of all the Super Bowls that we could have gotten, this is the one where I'm kind of the least excited. I really am. But like I said, it's Goliath versus Goliath for me. At least give me one of the other two, right? Once Kansas City won, I was all in on Detroit. I was like, all right, come on, let's go. Give me Detroit. Let me see them in their first Super Bowl ever. Let me see it. And then first half comes around, 17-point lead. I'm like, all right, here we go. And the total collapse from that point forward. Broke my heart. Really did. I'm not a Detroit Lions fan. I really am not. I honestly, on any other day of the week, I could really give. But in that circumstance, I wanted the Lions to win more than anything. Boy, oh boy. Uh, Okay. So that is 42 minutes about the NFL. Um, Satisfied? I don't know. Maybe not. But but, uh, (laughs) let's talk a little bit of baseball, and then let's all go to bed. Um, So let's discuss this whole Blake Snell thing. So now listen. Again, I'm going to brush through this kind of quickly because I have a theory. Um, The major league free agent market is moving at an absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous snail's pace and it's driving me insane because the overwhelming majority of these free agents are all scott boris clients and it's driving me nuts it really is it's driving me nuts so excuse me so one of the things that i kind of want to point out is have we noticed that there's really not that much interest in any of these guys I mean, Blake Snell just won a Cy Young. This is his second Cy Young award, and nobody wants him? Same thing with Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger had a resurgence of his career last year, hit over 300. Like, he's, it looks like he's kind of coming back to form, and nobody wants him. Why? Well, maybe it's because the numbers are ridiculous. The New York Yankees have the only offer on the table right now for Blake Snell, six years, 150. And we're, there's conflicting reports everywhere saying, Hey, listen, that report, that offer might not even still be on the table because since they signed Marcus Stroman, there might not be an offer on the table for Blake Snell. It might be gone. Well, I'd like to believe on the contrary. And here's why. Okay. And again, I would say that this is the most pivotal free agent left on the market is Blake Snell. You got to break it down by the teams that could potentially sign him. Think about it. I came up with six, legitimately six, Yankees, Angels, Red Sox, Rangers, Cubs, and Blue Jays. 
Those are the teams that I think could potentially sign him. Every other team is out. 24 other teams out completely. Now, let's talk about those four, those six teams. Uh, Boston, the way that they're run right, it ran right now. I don't think they're coughing up anywhere near the money that Blake Snell would want. I honestly don't even know that they're interested. I really don't. I think they're bargain shopping. Craig Breslow had said already that they're kind of holding back on, on spending more money. I think the Red Sox are pretty close to out. Texas seems to be dialed in on Jordan Montgomery. I think that's going to happen. Once that TV deal gets shaken out, I think Texas is dialed in on Jordan Montgomery. To me, they're out. The Cubs need to sign bats. They need Matt Chapman. They need Cody Bellinger. They need Jorge Soler. They need they need guys in the lineup that can make a difference. They also just signed Shota Imanaga. I don't think that they're going to add another arm. They're out. Toronto. Maybe. But I think they're in the same boat as Chicago. You need bats. Whether it's bringing back Marcus Stroh, uh, uh, Matt Chapman, whether it's bringing, uh, bringing in Cody Bellinger, I think they're more focused on offense rather than pitching. So that leaves two teams, Yankees, Angels. The Angels, to me, are the best chance for Blake Snell to get overpaid. That's the best chance for him. Because they, listen, they just lost Shohei Otani. They're prone to spending big money. That's what they always do. So I think that's his best chance of getting overpaid. But there have also been reports where they're saying they may just want to sit back and see what they have this year. And then if they, if you know, if they have something, then they'll go big again next year. <clears throat> if you're a Yankee fan, right? Doesn't that make you feel good? You have the only offer on the table. You have the only offer on the table. And what other teams are really there? What other teams are interested? Truth be told, I mean, I don't think San Francisco's in on them. They're done. Seattle isn't in on them. Seattle just traded Robbie Ray, not so that they could pay another 30-something-year-old pitcher more money. They're not They're not paying them. San Francisco just traded for Robbie Ray. They just signed Jordan Hicks, who they want to make a starter. They're not signing him. I think it's Yankees, Angels. And to be truthful, I think if we get to a point where we're about a week away from spring training and he's not signed, Blake Snell's just going to take the best offer on the table. And if that offer stands with the Yankees, he'll go there. Okay. That'll do it for me. Again, uh, I appreciate all the people that commented. I think this was a, uh, you know, listen, we're shaking off the rust together. It's been a while since I've done one of these. So, um, if you like the video, make sure that you share it. Uh, I appreciate tuning in. Hopefully next week I have a co-host again. But again, this is All Even Live. I'm your host, Mike Guido. We'll see you next week.